0: Okay, uh, maybe we'll uh, just get started by opening in a word of prayer. Maybe I'll call upon Brother Jamel, if he would, to open us in a word of prayer.
1: Heavenly God, Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, uh, the Red family, for opening up their homes so we can gather together, Lord, and, and open your word, Lord, and, and learn from it. Lord, that We ask uh, you guided your blessing upon our brother here as he... Uh, mm-hmm. takes upon this 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 topic of uh, future events, Lord, that uh, mm-hmm. you may guide him and lead him as he walks through these passages, Lord. I ask all these things to express his
0: name Amen. Okay, so we're going to be dealing with end-time events, and more specifically tonight, I think we're going to deal with the next great event. And that next great event is when the Son of God who purchased us with his own blood gets the word from the Father and comes down and takes for himself his bride. His bride, I believe, absolutely wholehearted, the more I study it, the more I believe it, is going to be taken off this earth before the seven-year judgment on this earth. I believe will be raptured out at that point. It's interesting to note that in the Word of God, the the concept of a rapture is not really all that challenged. Most believe there's a rapture. The the problem is the timeline of that rapture. Some believe it comes in the midpoint. Some believe it comes after the tribulation, which wouldn't be a very good thought at all. We're not too much comfort involved in that. Um, And then I believe it's going to come before... The tribulation or a pre-tribulation rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the sobering thought is this that if the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to take his church, what happens to the rest? And after this, you see the judgment. And there will be great judgment. The Lord Jesus Christ called it the Great Tribulation. The, Jeremiah calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. And and primarily the, the primary focus of that judgment is on a nation, Israel, and on a people, those who rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ. The offer has been made for salvation. He has opened the door. The day of grace is now. Now is the day of salvation, the Word of God says. So now it's decision-making time. And and when we decide against the Lord and say, no, I will not have this man to rule and reign over me, then you will stay. That is as clear in Scripture as those who will go. So it's a sobering thought. And that seven-year tribulation... Is like no other tribulation this world has ever seen. I want you to note that during World War II, and I know there's a couple here, there's at least there's one here that will remember back that far. All of Europe was in turmoil. There were many that believed that this is the end, except for one great factor. Does anybody know what was missing during World War II? Why couldn't it have been uh, uh, that judgment that was coming onto the earth? Why couldn't it have been? Does anybody know? Israel was not. That is exactly correct. Israel was not a nation yet, and the Bible makes it clear from various various places that Israel must become a nation first. Because this judgment is going to be borne out on Israel. And that Israel is not going to be the Israel that was scattered all over the world prior to May of nineteen forty eight. That Israel is going to be regathered in Palestine. They call it Palestine of all things. But that's where they're going to be regathered. And that's exactly what occurred on May of nineteen forty eight. And that's why we I believe very strong in in my in my thinking that We are in the last days. I think it's that generation that occurred at May of 1948 and forward, somewhere in that time period, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take back home His bride, the church. Let's turn, if we could, to 2 Peter chapter. And this is an open format, by the way, I want to make make sure this is. This is an open format... A lot like Wednesday night. And so we encourage uh, participation. There may be questions. We've got some great Bible scholars here in the room, amongst which is not me. But there are some great Bible scholars in the room that might be able to handle some of those questions. There are a lot of questions concerning uh, the end time events. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. So what I want you to do is, if you have questions, you have comments, please, um, we we want to uh, open this up. That's one reason why we came into the homes, so that it would be more of an open format. Uh, Verse 19 says this, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not of old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Some would tell me that the that the rapture is very elusive in the Word of God. I, I don't believe that. I think the rapture is soundly taught in the Word of God. Three primary passages that are taught as far as the, the uh, rapture is uh-huh. concerned. And we'll deal with those three passages or refer to them as we go through. For prophecy came not of old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's well to point out that this is what we believe is the Word of God and, and if we don't accept this as the Word of God then we allow ourselves to be completely open to whatever opinion seems to be casting itself through the day and that is a very dangerous position to be in just yesterday we were told that the world would end as I, re- as I referenced this morning the world is not going to end in our lifetime we know that The world will end, as I referenced this morning At least 1,007 years from now And so you can see how If you don't take this, the Word of God As your source of information If you just begin to imagine And allow the flow of imagination To start going through your mind You can come up with all kinds of strange philosophies And theories as to end time events And they are very dangerous. Because now you've got the naysayers that are going to turn right around and say, See, nothing happened on the 22nd or whatever day that was. Nothing occurred. It's the same as always. But we know that Peter addresses that, don't don't we? And so we must adhere to the Word of God as God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And it says we have a more sure word of prophecy. We can know, we can know what's on the horizon. We don't know the exact timeline of that or when that's going to occur exactly as far as that rapture. I don't believe anyone knows that. But we can know what's going to occur in the big picture as far as the end times are concerned. First, there is a rapture. Then there is, according to Daniel chapter 9, that last week, that seven-year period called the Great Tribulation. And so you have the taking out of the church first, and then you have a seven-year period called the Great Tribulation. The objective of that period is, is designated in Daniel chapter 9. And then after that, the Lord Jesus Christ comes to this earth. At the end of that seven-year period, the Lord Jesus Christ comes to this earth and He sets up His rule and reign on this earth. And that rule and reign will last for 1,000 years. And that's called a millennium. 1,000 years, the Lord Jesus Christ will rule the way this earth has never seen before time times gone by. Folks, I'll tell you this. I've never seen a lack of control in the world as I have seen in the past five years. Oh, always I heard this. Always I heard this term. Ah, let our science figure it out. Let our politicians figure it out. Let our great thinkers of the day, they'll figure it out. Just let them have it for a little while, they'll figure it out. Okay, what about now? Is anyone figuring out The absolute economic collapse of not just a nation or two, but now it's affected the whole world. And everyone's throwing their hands in the air. They could deal with a nation. They could deal with a country. They could deal with a state. But they can't deal with the whole world. No one's got a handle on that. Oh, I believe the Lord is coming. And the first thing that must be manifested before that seven years is a manifestation of the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians tells us that. So there will be the Antichrist first. And we are laying the stage for the Antichrist. The reason why I believe that is because men are going to come to the point where they do not have any answers. They cannot figure this thing out and are more than willing to give over the control to anyone who might stand with an answer. I'm convinced that we're living in the last days. Now, the nation of Israel, according to uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37, they would come together, they would become a nation again. We've seen that. It's been in the very recent history... we can't take this for granted I love that when people do they always take it for granted they say well I mean they've been a nation now for many years and all this that's a miracle that the nation of Israel ever drew back together from the kind of oppression that they were feeling and all the other and all the other it's an absolute miracle and we've seen it happen right before our very eyes and now we're seeing the loss of control in the world and I believe eventually a man is going to step forward He's not going to be the man. He's going to be the anti-Christ. With one agenda, that he might stand against the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. That's his objective. That's his objective. He could care less about those who are in the world. They're all going to perish anywhere under the judgment of God. He could care less. He wants to stand against... Look, and you go back to Isaiah chapter 14, and he said, I will be like the most high God. That's what he said. And that's been his objective ever since. And so we have a more sure word of prophecy. I want you to go back to Ezekiel chapter 21. And and there's something that dawned on me recently, and I've never seen this... before and after studying through this, I, something hit me. And I want to share it with you. I, you can take it or leave it or leave it or take it or, or whatever the case may be. Ezekiel chapter 21 and verse 27. Let's start at verse 25. And thou profane, let me get my other Bible because I have my, my, uh, uh, I'm just wondering why I couldn't. Uh, Ezekiel one Okay. It says in verse 25, And thou profane, wicked prince of Israel. I believe he's referring to Zedekiah, who was the last king. Interesting. He was the last king that would sit on the throne of David. Thou wicked and, and uh, profane prince of Israel, whose day is come. When iniquity shall have an end, thus saith the Lord God, remove the diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. I will overcome, overcome, uh, excuse me, I will overturn, overturn, overturn it and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it to him. I believe it's it's a prophecy, is what it is. For Zedekiah would be the last one to sit upon the throne of David. The next one that would sit upon the throne of David is the only worthy one, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He would sit on that throne. I think we have a misconception. Recently I think about the rapture and I think, well, the rapture is there as a a great escape clause, isn't it? I mean, things are going to get bad. They, they could get bad even before the tribulation. Uh, there could be, uh, you know, they call it birth pains in, in Matthew chapter 24. So we got the birth pains. That doesn't come on you suddenly. Women know that, right? That that's a, that's a very small, almost feeling like a cramp to begin with. And then it gets more and more and more and more and they get closer and closer together. So you've got these periods before the tribulation that could be very, very difficult. But is it... Primarily, an escape clause was that the primary reason for the rapture of the church? I don't believe so anymore. I believe that the primary reason was so that the Lord Jesus Christ could go head to head with Satan and that battle would begin at the rapture. it, it, it says that 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 uh, that he will come in the air. On the clouds, it says. In the first heaven. Whose realm is that? Well, Ephesians tells us that, that Satan is the prince and power of the first heaven. The air. And so, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come right in His realm. And he's going to say to Satan, let him go. Sort of like Moses did with uh, Pharaoh. Let him go. And you know what? The Bible tells us that there is no battle whatsoever. There is no word whatsoever from Satan. He simply releases his church and they're gone. Oh, you see, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to make a statement, right? Right? He's going to make a statement to heaven and earth. I come to take the earth back. And I believe it starts at the rapture. That is the primary reason for the rapture. And you know what? If you study out the various aspects of the Word of God, you're going to find out that the primary reason for a lot of things ain't what you thought it was. You take marriage, for instance. What is the primary reason of marriage? Well, it's in order that we might have enjoyment on this earth and that we might understand a more deeper union with some human being. No. It's so that we might understand that, that there was uh, uh, the Son in heaven who came down and got a bride for himself. That's the primary focus. The secondary focus would then be the enjoyment we have as entering into this covenant is given by God. The same way with the rapture. The Lord was making a statement. Let me prove that. If you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is a familiar passage, and I just want to refer to this, and then I'll open it for comments. You're probably thinking, this guy is going to go on all night long. He seems to be very windy, but listen to these words. This this, this is a proclamation from heaven. This, I believe, is a proclamation. It says in, in verse number 55. Well, let's, let's read the whole thing from 52 on. Because this is one of those primary passages that teaches the rapture. It says, In a moment, the verse 52, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on Immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Oh, you see the curse that, that, that was leveled against humanity because of their own disobedience in the garden. God was out to defy. God was out to defy. He was going to snatch away without the aspect of death. The results of sin. Without the results of sin, He was going to say, in your face, Satan, I'm going to come in right underneath your nose and I'm going to take my bride home to me and they're not going to die before they go. Oh, you see, the Lord was he was dictating, He was proclaiming in a very strong way I am in control. I will do what I want. I will do what I want. I am sovereign God. And the battle begins. I believe it begins at the rapture. I I believe the battle for the earth again. You know, Satan has been called the prince and power of the air. He has been given that realm, and the Lord Jesus Christ came right back into that exact realm and said, I want it back. That's the rapture. That's the primary reason for the rapture. Oh, it's going to be a great escape clause and we're going to praise the Lord for it. Oh, 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 we're going to praise the Lord for it. But that, I believe, is the main focus of the rapture of the church. I'll stop there and see if there are any questions or any comments. I'm sure there's some good comments out there.
1: Well, just, a, just, a, just a little comment on the rapture. You keep using that term mm. rapture. Uh, I guess most of us are aware that that word's not in the Bible. The English word, right, is not in the Bible mm-hmm. actually, that I'm aware of. Uh, maybe some can point it out. But the uh, it comes, of course, from First Thessalonians chapter four, where the Bible says, uh, "We who are alive and remain shall be caught up yeah. uh, together to meet uh, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air." That word, caught up. Some of us may have different translations, mm-hmm. but I, it comes from, of course, the New Testament is given in Greek, harpazo, that means to snatch, snatch away, or pluck the strings, to, to move. For instance, you can see how this word harpazo is used. This, there's several examples, but it's not always in reference to what we call the rapture, right? When Philip was in a, a certain place uh, uh, with the Ethiopian unit, it says that uh, after that was all over, after he baptized the, 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 uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, it says, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, mm. and the eunuch saw him no more. That's the word harpazo, or rapture. So he snatched him away, mm. and he went to another place immediately. And that's really what's going to happen, as I, as we understand it, in the, in what we refer to mm. as the rapture, of snatching away. right? So you were probably going to get to the passage mm. But uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4 but there is an uh, uh, an order of events right when the Lord comes to snatch like you say his bride away the dead in Christ those that have died believers in Christ will be uh, raised first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air and one more thing the passage that you read in 1 Corinthians 15 the inference is the rapture, but the, the perhaps it, well obviously the inference is, but it's not really spelled out mm. there. That's more the resurrection. Mm. In other words, the dead in Christ rise uh, mm. in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, it says at the last trump the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. So mm. that's the emphasis there is not so much on this snatching away, but on the the resurrection, right? Those that have died in Christ. Uh, their bodies are first, right? But to rise, and it uh, you know, it's just going to be a uh, a remarkable scene, right? I mean, you, you can't fully uh, none of us, right, can fully imagine what it's going to be like. But um, it, it's been well said that the uh, the first man, Adam, our first first human being, the first uh, uh, our first father, if you will. He turned a garden, the Garden of Eden, into a graveyard, right, Mm -hmm. because he sinned, and sin, by sin, came death. So everyone after Adam was put into, because of sin, there's death, there has to be a graveyard. But the Bible calls the Lord Jesus in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, the second man, the Mm. last Adam. So... He turned a graveyard into a garden. Mm -hmm. And what that means is all the graveyards around the world are one day, all those bodies that have died in Christ are going to be raised Mm -hmm. incorruptible. Doesn't matter if they've rotted for the past 2,000 years, (laughs) right? The Bible says that he's going you just read it, incorruptible must put on incorruption, Mm -hmm. this mortal must put on immortality. So the wonderful thing about the rapture is he's going to snatch away his own we shall be
2: changed mm. Amen
0: like mm. Mm. any other comments or
2: uh, I think you referred to the seven year here, here uh, beginning with the chapter of Um, that's seven years. Uh,
0: with
2: the marriage soft things. That seven year here. Yes. Yeah. Um reverse that It's same thing with the marriage so- yeah. yeah.
0: Amen.
1: And that's referenced in Revelation, right? That right. 20.
0: Right. So while there's virtual torment on the earth there's going to be just the absolute contrast in heaven there's going to be the greatest wedding that has ever taken place when the son of god takes for himself the bride of whom he has bled for and died for what a tremendous tremendous salvation that was this whole concept that was before the foundations of the world were ever laid that God would manifest his love towards man in this regard translated snatched raptured you can all be translated uh, the, the same way and and it's not a it's not a brand new concept with God it's it's interesting that back in Genesis chapter five, we, we have there and known to everyone, probably are most people here. We have another time when when the Lord Jesus Christ, in in the very face of Satan, cheated death. Uh, Genesis chapter five and verse twenty two. And it says this, "...and Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty-five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him." Again, I believe that, that God in, in, in the realms of Enoch was showing His absolute sovereign control. That there was a law written, yes, with sin, its, its outcome is death. But God was basically saying by this and by this action that He performed as far as Enoch and taking him off this earth without death was basically saying, I am in sovereign control. I will do exactly what I want. When I want and how I want and no one will control me. And so he deigned to snatch Enoch off this earth. He did it with Elijah as well. And the Lord Jesus Christ, is uh, uh, the same was taken off this earth without dying. And so we have illustrations of rapture. A snatching away, basically, would be the, the, the better uh, translation. That they were snatched away from this earth. Now I want you to notice something um over in uh Jude Jude 14 because I think there's something here that that we we don't want to miss Jude
1: Which
0: chapter? Yeah, I'm sorry. Jude 14 and 15. Jude verse 14 and 15. Now, um where Jude got this information. The only thing I can say uh, from my standpoint is I believe Jude got this from the Holy Spirit of God. And, And this is what it says. This is most enlightening to me when it comes to Enoch. It says, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now I want you to, I want you to notice something because this is something that dawned on me very, very recently. And that is that, that, that Enoch walked with God. Now, if I chose to be with someone, I'm, I'm with my wife more than I am with anyone else in this, there's, there's no question about that. So, I know things about my wife, and she knows things about me. There's an intimacy there, and when you, when you spend a lot of time together, intimate time together, you're apt to learn some of these things that, that maybe everyone else after hearing would be totally confused this is what it says. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these sayings Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Now, this is well before the, the, the revelator uh, wrote the book, John. I mean, uh, where did he get this? We know that that's exactly what happens. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and, and His garments are going to be spotted with blood, the, the redemption blood, and behind Him is going to be all the saints and they're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. But where on earth did Enoch get this? Well, he communed with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let, let me tell you something. If, if we choose to take a 15-minute slot in the morning and we say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read one chapter a day. Well, bless your heart. That's good it certainly is better than nothing but, but that's what I'm going to do so for 15 minutes I'm going to sit down I'm going to get through this chapter and half the time you read it through completely and then you say what in the world did I read have you ever done that maybe I'm the only one what in the world was that I, I got to go back and read it again so so what 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 God is saying is listen I can't reveal anything to you I, I can't tell you anything you're not here long enough so you're here and then you're gone, boom, you take the day and you're off running around your day and how about prayer? We didn't now I'm I'm guilty of this man. It, it it's just pray without ceasing. Listen, if your communication and your communion with God is of such an intimate nature, well, then God has the opportunity to reveal awesome things to you. You say, well, then you can go beyond the Scripture. No, He'll reveal things about the Scripture. He'll unfold the Scripture to us because we have the completed Word of God here. And so, things will be unfolded to us, but if we don't spend time enough if we're just, oh, there's my 15 minutes, I'm gone, put my Bible away, off to work, and and then and you just forget about God completely. Is God going to say then that, well, I, I, listen, stop for a minute, I want to tell you something. No, you're moving too fast. I can't catch up with you. Keep moving. Keep moving. But Enoch, it says, walked with God. That term means that he spent the majority of his time was in communion with the... You know what I think? I think possibly there wasn't a whole lot of fellowship at that time. And so he found that it was best just to commune with God and and that's exactly what he did. Why after the birth of Methuselah? I don't know. Something about that birth. But then for 300 years after that birth he walked with God. How can we do this? You say, "Well, I have to work. I I have to. I have to do this. I, I, I have to be occupied." You can be occupied and be occupied at the same time. I'm convinced of that. We can walk with God, and then God begins to unveil to us. He begins to reveal to us. Take John the Revelator. Well, he was cast away in a prison. So there wasn't a whole lot of fellowship there, I suppose. And so he began, I'm convinced, to fellowship with God in an intimate way that was so deep, so strong, and then God said, Okay, let's talk. You know, I'm convinced that we can go through our whole life, and God will never say the words to you. Let's talk. Let's talk. But he did for Enoch. And Enoch was revealed things about that time when the Lord Jesus Christ comes in his second advent. At the end of that seven years, when he comes and rules and reigns, he's going to come and rule and reign with ten thousands, he says. How he saw that, I don't know. But I believe it was revealed to him by his intimate walk um, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are there any questions, comments... There may be other comments. Um,
2: just right. the end of the Of sin. Uh, that at the end of a thousand years, Satan is released and it goes right back to the uh, to instigate uh, a war. And at that time, I think that we have that great war, which the Thank mm-hmm.
1: you think the world's in a turmoil now? Ooh. What in the world is going to happen when the Lord Jesus comes to take his bride home, right? And that's that's going to be, like you say, that's the next major event. And we can't date it. The Bible doesn't... Uh, uh, the, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. But we can't date it, but we know it's... Imminent, it could happen at Amen. any point, right? But just as a practical nature, you know, what a turmoil! Mm. We think the world's in a turmoil now. What a turmoil the world's going to be in! All these cars, mm. you know, with no drivers; airplanes with no, no, uh, mm. no pilots; uh, doctors with, uh, you know, uh, with no patients; patients with no doctors. You know what? Mm. So on and on and on and on, right? What a turmoil! You know, uh, the, the world is going to be in when this occurs, and that, that's when this. 2
0: Thessalonians talks about the man of sin coming on. That's right. And you can see that the, the platform is being set for the Antichrist now. Can you imagine what it's going to be then? You see, if after all this chaos is the only word that can describe what's going to take place. It's going to be absolute chaos. But if you had a man that would stand in and say, Listen, I have the answers. Listen, they they would take him now. I'm convinced. There's world leaders. If someone came in right now and had the answers to the economic complete bust of the world right now, they would take him now. Just think how more readily they'll take him after the rapture. The rapture is going to be the catalyst that is going to uh, uh, seat the Antichrist into his place of authority the covenant is going to be signed with Israel. And we'll get into that maybe in days to come and, and all that transpires after that point. Uh, but you can see that, that we're staring right down that barrel right now. Israel is in place. There's no question about that. I was told this morning by Brother Wainwright something that I had heard speculated about since, since 1981. And that is that there's got to be something that the world is going to want to come against Israel it's speculated that there'll be oil found in Israel now there's oil found in Iraq Kuwait Iran all around Israel is oil and and it was always said that, that it's it's, it's got to be that there's got to be oil in Israel well just this past week apparently due to some new technique they found some pretty major oil in Israel now what would drive Russia down well now there'd be that was always that was told me by Rob Lindstead back in 1981 there was no oil in Israel and he admitted to it but he said you know what there will be I don't know how he could be that confident but he was absolutely confident and just this past week now they found some pretty major oil in Israel. So, how close are we? How close are we? The animosity is building against this nation, and we are standing on the precipice. Are you? Are are, are we ready? That, that's the question. You know, we we expend all this energy trying to determine the date. W- why worry about the date? Get ready. Because in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 it says that we're gonna all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're gonna give an account. We're gonna have to give an account. We're gonna have to lay it out before the great judge. Oh, don't don't waste your time worrying about dates and, and, and seasons and, and and man, do like Enoch did. He drew closer, didn't he? He drew closer. And the Lord said, You know what? You're at the point now where you're stepping all over my toes. You need to come home. You're so close to me. I need to bring you home. Oh, wouldn't that be great to have that kind of entrance into heaven? An abundant entrance into heaven where the Lord would say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We don't come on the basis of works, we come on the basis of blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we come on that basis and that basis alone. But what you do, what you do with that life afterward is going to be crucial. He says in the book of Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. Why reasonable? He died for you. He bled for you. It's only your reasonable service that you move out for Him. That's what we need to expend our energy on. Not worrying about the date or the time. But be ready. But we know that it is an imminent return when the Lord Jesus Christ comes to this earth. We're kept from the hour and the hour is about gone. It is 6.54 already. So I'm just going to start on this and we'll see uh, how far we get. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse uh, 9 and 10. And these are crucial verses because they, they just amplify exactly what I was just saying. 1 Thessalonians... Chapter 1, and verse 9 and 10. Yes, it says this. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. "...and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivers us from the wrath to come." Now this word wrath is interesting. Never in the Scripture has the word wrath ever been equated to the children of God. Never in the Scripture... Has it been equated to the children of God? If you're an heir and joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no wrath. The the wrath of God, and I have to look it up here. I think I had it in this. Yes. The wrath of God, the, the Greek word wrath is the hot anger of God. And and this Scripture basically says that that kind of hot anger is not your portion. You're not going to be subjected to the hot anger of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. I go there real quickly. It's right across the way there. It says, "...for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ." I have every reason to believe that that because of these verses and, and, and many others that, that we are not going to go through that period called the Tribulation or the Great Tribulation, which would denote that last three and a half year period. We're not going to be going through that because we are not going to be subjected to the wrath of God. The wrath of God unleashed against mankind Because they will rebel against God Now, if you want open rebellion Look at Revelation We're not going to tonight But look at Revelation chapter 16 When those 100 pound hailstones drop out of heaven Now let me tell you Don't just look at that and say Well, that's really talking about uh, uh, 100, pound, uh, 100 ounce cotton balls Or something stupid When it says 100-pound hailstones, I think it means 100-pound hailstones. Let me tell you, God can do anything God wants to do. Let me tell you, He's already dropped hailstones this size out of heaven. If He wants to make them 100 pounds, He'll make them 100 pounds. But what is stunning to me is the response of the rebels on earth. When it says in the Bible, they shake their fist and they curse God. In other words, it isn't a matter of wondering where this judgment uh, finds its origin. They're not wondering where it finds... They know it's God. They know it's God. And they shake their fist in defiance and rebellion against God. Those are the people at the end of that seven-year period that are going to be cast into the abyss. Those ones who stand in absolute defiance against... God and the Son of God, they're, they're going to be cast... Into the abyss. That's what the wrath is all about. That's why God takes wrath on a nation Israel. That's why God takes wrath on those of the Gentile nation. Because they are rebelling against God. And when any human being on earth says, You know what? I, I hear the gospel. I, I I know what it says. I've heard it quite a number of times. And you know, Jesus Christ died for my sins and all this stuff. And they don't drop from here to here. What they're in essence saying is they're saying, no. Oh, God. That that's what you're th- sorry. You can say, well, no, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, oh, maybe a little later. Well, I, I gotta get things settled up. I, I got plenty to do, and I got much on my plate, and, and and maybe there's time for that later, but not right now. No, what you're saying is no God. You might as well be those in Revelation chapter 16 who were shaking their fist at God in defiance against him. Just as rebellious. And that's why the wrath of God is going to pour out for seven years on the, especially that last three and a half years and those vile judgments Though the wrath of God is going to be poured out on this earth and those things are not just to be taken unliterally they're to be taken very literally those are absolute judgments upon this earth What's going to transpire then. For God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, so I don't believe that we're going to be going through the tribulation. Uh, I, I have every reason to believe that there is there is no possible way that we are going to be going through uh, the revelation uh, the uh, the uh, the tribulation. Um, anybody have any comments, Darren? I'll go to one more passage after this, but we'll look for comments. <clears throat>
1: one knows about the present our present situation uh, in first john three it says mm. for those that are believers in the Lord Jesus mm. it says now right now we Amen. are the sons of our, the children of God right now and it does not yet appear what we shall be right but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone mm. that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So there's a present aspect, right? We know that right now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, we are the children of God. That much we know. Amen. But what we don't know is, you know, it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't know, we, we, we have a glimpse in Scripture We'll we have bodies like his glorious body we shall be changed, incorruptible mm. uh, and, and more put on immortality, and so forth. And it doth not yet appear we shall be, but this we know: we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Sometimes, you know, we, we say, well, how, how, how how is things going to change? You know, when we're, we're there in, in glory, well, well, is it going to be much of the same?" as No, we shall be like him. That is morally mm. free. Uh, uh, from sin. He, here is the Holy One who knows sin, separate from sin, right? And, and it says, we shall be like Him. Amen. Uh, we're going to be caught up into a heavenly realm and to, to, to be like the Savior, mm. leaving behind this cesspool of sin, right? Yeah. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. It's almost as if, you know, this. There's a Bible, the Bible talks about the instant transformation, but we shall see Him as He is, and what a you know, the Bible says no man can look on him and live, but we're going to be changed in a moment, right? In a twinkling of an eye, because we shall be like him. And the last thing is, everyone who has this hope in him, this, this hope, this assurance in him, That's right. purifies himself. Amen. If we know, if I know that my Savior is coming to get me soon, tonight may be the night, I'm going to put into practice what you said there. I'm going to put into practice not just a cursory glance at the Scripture. I'm going to walk with God like, like Enoch, I'm going to make it my portion to to have a daily interaction, a daily Mm. fellowship, of cultivating this relationship with my Savior, right? That's what I believe is part in part what the Bible talks about purifying himself, purifying himself. Because if I truly believe that the Lord Jesus is coming, it's not just a, a future event, it's a present mm. reality that's going to change my everyday life. Amen. The way I function with my co-workers, the way I function with my family, the way I function with my neighbors, with my children, and so on. Mm. That's going to change everything about me if I really believe that I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account for the things done in this body. Mm. I, not just my wife, my brothers, my sisters, but me personally, going to stand before the Lord and give an account
2: Amen. him. Mm. Amen.
1: That should change the way yeah. I live. I really believe the Lord Jesus is coming. Mm-hmm. Amen. In
2: verse 28 of uh, chapter
1: 2, just before that, uh, it was called, And now little children abide in them, that when He shall appear we may have confidence Amen. and not be ashamed for mm. his coming mm. we're walking we're abiding in heaven uh, we won't be ashamed of his coming and we'll be purified.
0: Amen it seems that most scriptures in the, uh, in the Bible that talk about the eminent return of the Lord when He comes and takes His church it is always followed by actions on your part to be ready Always, actions on your part to be ready. Um, Titus chapter. We can't stop without this one because this is really a, a, a tremendous portion, and and we really didn't get to you know John chapter fourteen. Let not your heart be troubled, and and that is also referring to the time when the Lord Jesus Christ would take us out before that wrath. Why Why doesn't our heart trouble? It, it shouldn't trouble. We're not going to be here. We're going to be gone. So um, that's another portion. And then, of course, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4 uh, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Those are the major key portions when it comes to the rapture of the church. But listen to this, what it says. It says, um, it, this is Titus chapter 2 and starting at verse number 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that's referring to the rapture, and and the word hope wasn't big enough. It, it wasn't descriptive enough. It it didn't give enough punch, and 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 so the the writer says blessed hope. The blessed hope that that one day we're going to be taken off this scene of death and destruction and, and we're going to be whisked away into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins. And we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise the and so we'll stop there with the, with the blessed hope and for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior you can, you can sit on this verse if you want because this verse is real and for all the naysayers and all the doubters and, and, and all those who would question and say oh look nothing happened on the 22nd something will happen I'll guarantee you It won't be the end of the world But for those who are left behind They'll wish It was the end of the world Because God is going to pour out Onto this world His wrath That will be in an unmeasured way And men are going to Finally realize That the Lord Jesus Christ Is King of Kings And Lord of Lords Many are going to stand in rebellion anyway Knowing full well They're still going to stand in rebellion so I exhort you if you're not ready be ready for the Lord cometh soon real soon. Any other comments or questions?
1: Just one last note probably on, on you know just, just take for a practical example if the Lord Jesus were to come tonight right um, probably, I, I believe most every person in this room would, be, would disappear. Or be dead. And what happens on the world? What happens in the world after that? Right? We mm. touched a little bit mm. about it. it. Immediately after, we talked about you know the, this man of sin, this mm. antichrist, setting up. The world's going to look for him. The world wants a man who is like the beast. Revelation says they're going to clamor after him. Right? But what's going to happen to individuals that have heard this message of the gospel? Mm. Now, we here in the United States, we're, 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 we're blessed. We have an abundant opportunity to hear the, the Word of God. But what's going to happen to people, right, in general? Well, it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that when this man of sin is revealed, the wicked one the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and so forth. Uh, he's going to show wonders, signs and lying wonders with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. In other words, there are people that are living right now Mm -hmm. and if the Lord were to come tonight what's going to happen if they... Did not receive this message, the love of the truth. That means they heard it, they knew it, but did not receive the love of the truth. that they might be saved, what's God going to do? God's going to send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So practically speaking, those that are left behind at the return, at the rapture of the Lord Jesus, those that are left behind that do not know the Savior but heard the gospel and refused it, it says they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They're just going to jump on the bandwagon of everyone else and follow after this man of sin, right? Mm. But that they might be damned who believed God not the truth. So the the the, the 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 urgency is for those that live now to take God seriously. Amen. To take God seriously, you know, I just can't slough it off, right? God is, has declared, has told us ahead of time. Amen. That's the wonderful thing about the Word of God. If you go to any other holy book, and I don't believe any other holy book, Quran, Book of Mormon, any of these other books have prophecy. You started out with prophecy, a more sure word of prophecy. God's word tells us what's coming. He, you know, in, in, in so many cases he tells us ahead of time what's to come. And he's telling us in our lifetime that the Lord Jesus could come back tonight. And they that are left behind, they did not receive the love of the truth. God's going to send them a mm-hmm. strong delusion that they should believe about it. So it's better to take God seriously now
0: believe it Amen. I had a student at school who came to me and said that, well, if if I see these things and I come to class and you're not here, then I'll believe. And I went to 2 Second, uh, Second Thessalonians and I, I read for him those exact verses. You won't believe. You've been given your chance. You've had the light. You've rejected the light. And therefore, you're going to end up walking in darkness. So, that that is that is a sobering passage, a sobering passage. Don't wait. Place yourself under the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a child of the living God, and there's no wrath for you. There's no wrath for you.
1: I don't know if anybody's read some years ago. There was that series out, Left Behind.
0: Yes. Right. Very very compelling books. Right. I could hardly put it down. Only only problem I think I personally have them that it sort of
1: implied that there's a second chance. Right? Mm. Now, again, God knows the heart of each individual. <coughs> right? There, there are going to be those that, that heard the gospel, but they, they didn't outright reject it. Okay? I don't know who they are. Mm. The Lord knows. But those that have rejected the gospel are going, are won't have a second chance, right? There'll be mm. no second chance. That series sort of implied that, that that's mm. going to take place, but I, you'd have you'd be hard up to prove that from the word of right. God.
0: Right. But there are going to be many saved. There's there no are going question to be about many that. Many saved,
1: a multitude. Right? Uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter, chapter 7.
0: seven. Yeah. So. Uh, but, but, and, and we we may get into that. I see, my, my objective was to bring you at the, 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 the next great event, which is the rapture. And then after that, we get into some of the details that were unveiled to us in this, in the, uh, in the book of the Revelation, uh, by John. But, but will we really have to worry about all those things necessarily? Uh, well, we might not have the order and perfect order in our mind. Who cares? You're gone anyway. You're gone anyway, you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ while well, this is all taking place and and so uh, but 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 most interesting, most interesting and a, a great revelation of the power and sovereignty of God as you read through the the revelation and what's going to occur there. So we may get into that you know we may do this again, I don't know what we're going to do, so we'll see what uh, what occurs there. Can I share just one more thing, Ash? This this just blew me away recently, and I know, I know. But we did get a late start, didn't we? Yes, we did. Okay, we've got a late start, so we can do this. In in Revelation chapter um, number three and verse ten, it says, "Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation." I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. He's talking to the, the church at Philadelphia. Now, there, there is no church in Philadelphia anymore, so he's talking to the church, right? He's talking to that faithful church. There was very little problems in Philadelphia. So he said, uh, uh, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will keep, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation of temptation. Listen, I I think that's, that is sound proof that, that we're not going to be in that particular time. Uh, Another great sound proof is, is listen to what it says seven times in chapter one through three of Revelation. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Seven times after each one of the church, it says this thing over and over and over and over again. And then it comes to the fourth chapter. And the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation says this in its beginnings. It says, After this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. I think that's the rapture. I am fully convinced that what we have here is a complete unveiling of our of, of period of time during the church age, all the way through to the rapture, all the way through the seven year, all the way into the millennium. I think the whole thing's laid out in the Revelation. And I think chapter 4 verse 1 is the rapture. John is taken up into heaven and now he starts viewing it from the heaven looking down on it. But notice this term. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I challenge you to find that exact term after chapter 4. All the way into chapter 18. From the chapter 4 to 18, you will not find the church. No church. No reference to the church. Why no church? Because it's gone. It's absolutely gone. As, as, as God unveils to us through the Spirit of God, to John, the various aspects of this tribulation period, I believe the church is gone. They're absolutely off the scene. In chapter 13, I believe, and i got to find it here, and, and, and verse number 9, it says, "...and any man that hath an ear..." Let him hear. What's missing? The Spirit says to the churches. Isn't that amazing? I'm not too brilliant. I would have never found that, but someone else did. Seven times in chapter 1 through 3. And after chapter 4, boom, the church's mum. Not another word. Until chapter 18 and 19. You see it reoccurring. But that term... He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of, the, of God says to the churches. You won't find it. You won't find it. I think it's further evidence that we will not be here when the wrath of God is poured out on this earth. Maybe we need to just close in a word of prayer. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we give You thanks that you are sovereignly in control. And that that one who is given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that one will be exalted. The fullness, it says, of Him that filleth all in all. Our Father, we give You thanks that we can worship and we can adore and we can praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Our Father, it's, it's all about Him, not all about us. It's all about Him and His exaltation and His conquest over the enemy. That dragon and His nemesis, the, the Antichrist. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ making conquest over them. For they too shall fall at His feet. We pray, our Father, that we, by our very lives, would fall at His feet. We give you thanks for the salvation that is so full and free through His name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.